Welcome to the Startup Smarter Podcast, the best audio show for people who are ready to turn their big ideas into big income. Each week, we explore effective business strategies, guest interviews, and success stories that will help transform the hard grind of starting a business into a smarter and more scalable experience. Here's your host, Joe Johnson. Welcome back to the Startup Smarter Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Johnson. And on today's podcast, we're going to be speaking to my friend, Samantha Siffering, who is the founder of the Premier Women's Business Coaching Group over at samanthasiffering.com. But first, it's time for listener shout outs, where each week we'll select a random review and read it on the show. Then we'll take those names and enter them into a drawing to win a special prize at the end of the month. This week, we're actually announcing the winner of our special prize. So if you were one of the lucky four finalists that we called during last month's episodes, then you're going to want to hang out to the very end of the episode to see if you won our prize. As always, if you want to get the latest details about any of the other prizes, trainings, bonuses that we have running at Startup Smarter, then I want to encourage you to head over to our Facebook group at facebook.com forward slash startupsmarter.net and join our Facebook group there. All right, now back to the show. Recently, I've been thinking a lot about balance. As an entrepreneur, you are constantly trying to achieve some semblance of balance in your life. If you're in college, you're trying to balance your schoolwork with your business. If you're dating and if you happen to find the right one, you might need to figure out how much you want to give to that person and how much you want to give to your business. But what happens when you get the news that you're pregnant? and you're running a business. This can be a hard transition for a lot of people, and I personally am going through this right now. I love my wife, and I love my business, but when she told me that we were pregnant, I was so, so excited. But then, as I'm spending more and more time learning about the needs of my soon-to-be-born little one, I feel like I'm in my business less and less. Now, it was at this moment that I realized I needed to reach out to someone and talk to them about, you know, what does it mean to be a parent and an entrepreneur at the same time? Because you're gonna have to figure out what's the balance between being there for your little one and being there for your business. Now, I reached out to Samantha Siffering because she's an expert at this stuff. Now, in this conversation, you're gonna hear how Samantha was able to find the balance of raising her three children while rapidly building business after business. And many of them didn't work out but she kept moving forward anyway, and she now has the perfect business that gives her the flexibility to work when she wants and gives her enough time to be with her family. So stay tuned because you're about to get the full story. I hope you enjoy my episode with Samantha from samanthasiffering.com. All right, let's get into it. Samantha, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. We're glad to have you on. So, Tell us about your business and how it came to be. This starts about 10 years ago. I was in the corporate life in, you know, a nine to five type job, doing well there, but just feeling that it was not it for me. Um, So I decided to go back to school to become a therapist. So I studied counseling, got my master's, and right around the time I graduated from that program, I was moving across the country because the economy had just crashed, my husband lost his job, and I was about to have our first baby. So lots of life change all at the same time, and the short nutshell version of that phase of my life is that eventually I ended up as a mom of three at home with them, completely different 
way than I expected my life to be. I really thought that I would be uh, very career focused. If I was a mom, I expected to be a working mom, kids in daycare, all of that. What happened was that I was at home changing diapers, making peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, watching PBS Kids and wondering what happened. (laughs) At that point, I was trying to figure out how to get back in the workforce, applying for jobs, that kind of thing, and not really finding anything that would cover daycare costs. And that you know, ended up being really different than I expected it to be. So I started looking at ways to make money from home. I wanted to contribute financially, but I also wanted to have something that was just for me that felt really fulfilling, that felt like it was, you know, hitting my purpose and really allowing me to excel. It can be really isolating and not fulfilling oftentimes to be home with babies and toddlers. So I was looking to fill that and trying all of the crazy things out there. I tried those surveys where you get like, you know, one one hundredth of a cent per survey or whatever. I had an Etsy shop. I tried network marketing, like all of the things out there. I tried them and then eventually had kind of a stroke of luck. I was listening to a podcast and they were interviewing a therapist who had become a life coach and she had started a life coaching agency online. So she was hiring other therapists then to become life coaches. She trained them and then gave them a ton of clients. And I was like, well, that sounds like something I should be doing. I actually was driving. I pulled over, emailed her from the side of the road and she ended up hiring me shortly after. And that's how I got my start as a coach, which is what I'm doing now. I worked for her for a few years before I branched off on my own and decided to narrow my focus. With her, I was doing very general life coaching. And now I'm very focused on business and mindset coaching. And I help moms to build really successful businesses from home. And after hearing my story, I think you know exactly why that's my focus. (laughs) That makes a lot of sense. That's one of the many reasons I wanted to get you on the podcast. Building businesses as a stay-at-home parent is at the core of what you do, and it's significantly more complicated than what it seems like. So a follow-up question for you is, were you an entrepreneur before or after you became a mom? This is such an interesting question to me. I never had thought of this before you asked me, and I was an entrepreneur after but it was always in there. My parents were entrepreneurs. They're actually divorced, so they were separately entrepreneurs. And I had been raised with that feast or famine, truly, type thing. Like I remember times where I didn't get paid allowance because they were not making money. And then I remember times where we went to the Bahamas and stayed at the Four Seasons. You know, it was like one or the other going on. So I think I had always kind of had a like, ooh, I don't I don't want to be an entrepreneur. I want a steady paycheck. But after becoming a mother, I felt like entrepreneurship was the option for me. And now that I'm doing it, I realize I 
never was a great employee. We had just mentioned before we started recording the cubicle life and how most of the time I spent waiting to go home. And that was truly my story. You know, as an employee, I would very easily get irritated with my boss or with the company and how things were run. And I definitely had a history of short-term employment stints where I would be excited. I would get in, I would do a bunch of cool things. I would not get recognition or a raise or whatever. And I'd be like, forget it on to the next. So clearly I was made for this. Let's take a moment to expand on that point a little bit, because if a person regularly feels the way that you described, it often feels like there's something wrong with you. Like Joe, why can't you just go with the flow? Or why can't you just go along to get along? I mean, it doesn't really matter what company you work at because you could be a rock star employee, but you're just not fulfilled. And I think that's what's indicative of a person who's ready to become an entrepreneur. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I think so for sure. I remember at that master's job, that was my first job out of college, and they had hired me for a job that really should have been a part-time job and it was full-time. Like I can create some work for myself or I can play spider solitaire all day. I got so good at spider solitaire and then I was like, okay, this now this is boring. <laughs> so I revamped my entire project, the project manager. I rebranded, um, changed a lot of things, like really just very typical marketing campaign, you know? I made all these changes, proposed to the owner of the company. He was excited, implemented the changes, but I had automated some stuff and I had created a situation where there was even less work for me, but the project had turned from like sucking money into being super profitable, like overnight. And I remember thinking like, okay, it's been a couple months. This thing has made like 30,000 bucks from my changes. And it was right around that time. It was like bonus and raise time and I got nothing. And it was a technicality. They were like, you haven't been here long enough. You've been here 11 months instead of 12. So you're not eligible. And I was just like, goodbye. (laughs) So so I think like things like that, you know, when you're really driven, you really are excited and make a difference. And then you're just like, no payout. Goodbye. Like that's when you know you're an entrepreneur. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Absolutely. So let's talk about this concept of identity, which can be a frustrating place to be in. I mean, you go to school because that's what you're supposed to do. You get a degree, you put in the hours, and now you're thrust into this new role as a parent, but you also are taking on an identity as an entrepreneur or or wanting to be an entrepreneur. How do you reconcile these two things that honestly require a lot from you? Yeah. It was kind of an interesting place because I felt like I had a strong identity before kids and after. I felt that I didn't find any of those things in myself anymore. I really felt like I lost myself at that time of my life. So for me, just being in this place where I felt like my only identity was as a mom and I had completely lost who I was before, entrepreneurship was kind of a journey back to myself, really, and rediscovering who I was before kids and getting back in touch with those things. So I think they really are linked and it's kind of interesting to see the relationship now because now that being a mom is not my only identity anymore, I feel I'm a better mom because I have the business and because I have other things going on outside of the kids. I feel like the way that I show up as a mom is 
better. What are some signs that a person should look for to help them identify when it's time to head out and start their own business? Like when you reflect back on that moment, how did you know it was time to leave? You probably won't be surprised to hear it, but it was when I had some ideas uh, that she could implement in her business and she didn't want to. And I also was still being paid the same that I had been paid at the beginning. And I thought my skills have changed so much and there's no reward for that. You know, there's no reward for getting better, no increase in my income. And it was just really frustrating to be in that place and to feel like there's no reflection of my improvement and my ideas for business aren't being used and aren't valued. So that was the point where I was like, okay, I need to just go out and try some of this stuff that I think would work and charge what I want to charge for my, my work. So you made the decision to start your own business, but you needed to have some income to pay your bills. I'm curious, how did you get your first few clients? Well, for a while I didn't get clients. It was like a really cold, hard slap in the face of reality. And I, realized when I got out into the marketplace, like you don't just open up a website and have people flock to you. (laughs) So I tried, you know, the website, I tried Facebook ads. I tried a lot of the things that you hear out there. And what I learned is that when you're first starting relationships are really the way to get going. So once I made that shift, I just started networking like crazy. And because I was a mom, I was a stay at home mom. I had a baby at home. I couldn't be going out to coffee dates and networking events and that kind of stuff all day long or all night long. So I found my clients online. So I found them in Facebook groups and it was just kind of chatting back and forth, offering value, inviting somebody onto a call and then making an offer to work together. So that's really where those first few clients came from and clients still come from that for me. Okay, let's talk tactics for a minute, because it sounds like networking via Facebook groups was super important. But how exactly did this work? Let's say that I join a Facebook group related to my market. Did you just wait for someone to start talking about their pain points or or like they were talking about nails? And then you said, hey, I actually specialize in hammers. Let's jump on a call. Yep, exactly. So just like that. And I had already known. And now I'm like, how did I know this? Um, But I had already known that I wanted to have that kind of a format where I was doing a consult sales call kind of thing to then make the offer to my paid program. So I knew like if somebody's struggling, I have the answer. Let's hop on the phone. If you like it, then I'll offer you to work together further. And people were really receptive to that. People want help, you know? Okay. Let's say that I want to become the next Samantha Siffering, right? And I'm going through Facebook groups. I'm finding people that have pain points. I know that I can provide value and I get the courage to invite them to a phone call. But then they get to the point of making an offer. Could you walk us through how to price a person's services? Like, how did you start? I had the (laughs) fortunate, I guess, background of having done door-to-door sales. That was actually one of those weird work from home jobs I did. And so I had done some door-to-door sales. So I already really understood a solid sales conversation and what that vibe was like. So luckily I had that. As far as pricing, I just 
took the pricing per hour that I had been making from the other company, increased it a little bit, and that was my first offer. So my very first coaching client in my business got to work with me for $50 a session, which is crazy. I do not let my clients charge that little amount. But for me at the time, I was just like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. I'm going to make $200 a month from one client. Like it just seemed like this is the best thing ever. So I think there is kind of, you know, a lot of validity to starting at a lower rate, like something where you're still going to be excited to show up. You're not going to be resentful of the person, but you are on the lower end. So you can build up your confidence, build up your testimonials and experience and referrals and that kind of thing. And then what I did was just each time I got a yes, I would increase a little bit until I got to the point where I really felt like this is an appropriate price. Ah, that makes sense. So let's say that I'm a parent that just feels overwhelmed when I think about starting a business. And as a result, I approach you for business coaching. What is your process for helping your clients start building a business when they're short on time, but they clearly have that fire inside of them? Something that compels them to start up something big, but they don't know how. We radically simplify. So all of my clients know me as being a huge fan of simplifying everything. Most of my clients have kind of an idea of how they want to do things. So we'll go through and delete a lot of it. So we'll get rid of a lot of their offers. We'll get rid of a lot of their marketing techniques and really just simplify down to the things that are going to be getting them very quick results. So typically that looks like a higher ticket one-on-one offer where they don't have to get that many yeses to hit their income goal and lots of one-on-one conversations because that has such a faster turnover into a yes than like starting a podcast or Facebook ads, you know, a Facebook group, Instagram, those types of things. They just take a little while to mature typically. And they're definitely a very important part of a business. But I think the less time you have, the more precious that time is. And it really has to be used on things that are going to be paying off quickly. Okay. And how do you go about encouraging consistency with your clients? For instance, like what do you say to a person who is excited about starting something new, but then gives up? How do you go about making sure that they follow through with their big ideas? The nice part about coaching is that when they're paying to be coached, that builds in consistency because of a couple things. First, they don't want to get to the next month that they have to pay and be like, wow, I didn't do any work. They also don't want to show up to the next coaching call and report that they haven't done any work. So I think just inherent in the system of being coached particularly one-on-one, you're just going to be more consistent. And that's why a lot of my clients sign up with me because they know that they need that. For people that I have like in groups or in my membership or who listen to my podcast and that kind of thing, I really encourage them to set up a solid schedule for themselves and really simplify again the tasks that they're doing, really understand why they're doing each thing and what it's creating for them and then put it in their calendar and then manage their mind around showing up and doing it. For a lot of people, it's not a lack of knowing what to do. It's that they're not doing it. So putting it in at a specific time and then 
understanding what's going on in your mind when that time comes and you don't want to do it and doing it anyway. It's so, so powerful. That actually reminds me of a quote that I heard a while back and it goes, people value what they pay for. And as you were answering, I was thinking to myself, wow, this is so true in this context, because let's say that a person were to start their coaching practice, but they only gave free sessions. While this may be a good strategy at first to get new clients, the downside is that the accountability goes out the window. Good, good insight. Yeah, well, I think, you know, you said they'll value it if they've paid for it because they've literally put a value on it. My first few clients that I didn't talk about on this were non-paying clients. They were free clients and they all quit partway through. Now I do not let any of my clients take free clients because I don't think that it's an accurate depiction of coaching. Okay. Let's talk more about tactics. What medium do you use to connect with your audience? Because I know that you're already rocking and rolling with your own podcast, but are you having any success on places like YouTube, Instagram? What's working for you these days? My main thing is my Facebook group. I have a Facebook group with about 2,500 ladies in it, and I am very active in there. I go live a few times a month. I'm posting every day. So that is where I'm connecting with people. And like you said, I also have a podcast. Those are my two main ways of connecting. And do you have a preference for one platform over the other? I don't think I really have a preference. What I love about my Facebook group is that I can interact you know, sometimes the podcast, you're there with your microphone thinking, I hope somebody's going to listen to this. And in the Facebook group, you get the back and forth and you can really provide a lot of value to people one-on-one, but also other people see it. And it just, it feels like a community. Okay. Personally on your journey, are there any tools or books that you recommend that have really helped you out? Yes. I absolutely love a podcast called the Life Coach School Podcast, and it has helped me so much in so many ways. The woman who runs it also has a like coaching membership type program, and she's just fantastic. Everything she does, I want to be a part of. Even if you're not a life coach, if you're just looking for inspiration, if you're looking to become better, and it's not even for entrepreneurs, truly. Like This is a podcast for anybody that will help you on whatever journey you're on to become better. So highly recommend. Awesome. I'll definitely check that out and leave a link to it in the show notes. Now, what's a common challenge or mistake that you see most entrepreneurs making in the pursuit of growing a business while juggling a family? I think that they overcomplicate it and then they focus on the wrong things. And I did the same thing. Like when I started my business, I built this very elaborate website and I created three courses and two freebies and funnels and all of this stuff. And I had zero eyeballs on any of it, (laughs) except for like my mom's, you know? So I think most of us fall into that trap. We see other businesses out there that are successful. So we just start mimicking what they're doing instead of starting out the way that you need to start out. So I would encourage female entrepreneurs who are not yet making as much as they want to make or who are just starting out to stay away from all that fancy stuff and really focus on relationships, talking to people, making offers. And once you're making some money, then you can build the website and the email and whatever else you want to. That's what I love about you. You make it really simple. 
You don't get fancy, you build with intention and you get results. So what's something that you're grateful for that's been a direct result of running your own business? Mm, good question. I feel like I, I think I mentioned this earlier, have come back to my identity and come back to who I am. And I'm really grateful that I was able to do that. I don't think that I would have been able to do that without my business. I think it's just so empowering to work really hard at something and have it pay off and be successful and see the growth. And going through that process, I think, has helped me to rediscover myself. So that is something that I'm really grateful for is feeling like I really know who I am and I really like that person. That's amazing. All right. We're nearing the end of the interview and it looks like you built quite the business for yourself. One question that we ask all of our guests is if you had to start over at the beginning from day one, what would be your number one smart tip for launching a successful business? I think everybody already knows it. I would get out there and talk to people. (laughs) I would not do anything else besides figure out who do I wanna work with, where can I go meet them and go meet them. Again, Samantha, thanks for taking the time to jump on the show and share what you know. Where can people go to learn more about what you're up to? They can go to my website, samanthasiffering.com. They can listen to my podcast. It's called The Bachelor Podcast. And if they're a woman, even if they're not a mom, that's all right. They can join my Facebook group. It's called Online Business Building Mamas. All right, Samantha, thank you so much for joining us on the show. And we'll talk to you soon. Thanks so much for having me. I hope you enjoyed my episode with Samantha Siffering from samanthasiffering.com. Now, some of my biggest takeaways from this episode was how Samantha got her first couple of paying clients. Since she wasn't able to have a face-to-face meeting with potential clients to pitch them her services, she opted to network through Facebook groups instead. And this gave her the ability to build meaningful relationships and provide viable insight to those people who needed help in their businesses. So that way they became comfortable with her right before she made them an offer. Also, I really enjoyed her approach to pricing because pricing can be a really big hurdle for both you and your potential customer. However, I enjoy how she consistently tests her pricing, offering her services at a certain price point and then raising them over time to see what the market will allow. So she wasn't afraid to go at a lower price point and then raise them over time. Lastly, I just really enjoyed her energy. You can tell by her voice that she loves what she does. We had a chance to have an open and candid discussion about the thoughts that float in your head when you're stuck at a job that's unfulfilling and you want more. I applaud her for having the courage to get after it and create the life that she wanted. She mentioned that it wasn't easy, but you can tell by just her personality that it was worth it. Also, Samantha has some great resources and guides over at her website. And if you want to go check those out, I'll link them up in the show notes. And you can get all those links by heading over to startupsmarter.net forward slash podcast and looking for episode number 16. All right, before you leave, I wanted to announce this month's winner of the listener shout out contest. This month's prize is a free 30 minute business coaching call with me where you can get clarity on what you're currently working on and building. And the winner is more a more. Again, the winner is more a more. You are the winner of a free business building coaching session. And if you're selected, please send us an email over at contact at startupsmarter.net to claim your prize. 
And if you want to enter the contest, go ahead, leave us a review for the Startup Smarter podcast wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. All right. This week's episode has been lovingly edited and produced by our intern, Eric Mercado. This wraps up episode number 16 of the Startup Smarter podcast. This is Joe Johnson signing off, and I'll see you in the next episode.